0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by teaching pastor Clayton Keenan and our good friend and special guest, Corey Shoemate. Corey is the campus pastor at our Streamwood campus, and he is an amazing teacher of God's Word and shepherd of God's people. And so, Corey, we are so glad to have you with us.
1: Thanks for being here. How nice of you to start (laughs) off the podcast with some great compliments. I appreciate that. That's all
0: true. (laughs) We're about to jump into a passage from the New Testament book of Romans, but as usual, when we have a guest, we like to take a few minutes to get to know them. So uh, we've got some questions for you. Okay? I'm going to go first. Okay. So... We're in the middle of summer and people are trying to wrap up last minute vacations. And so I thought it might be fun to find out what your ideal vacation spot is. So if you had two choices, would you rather go to the mountains or to the beach?
1: Mm. I feel like n- right now I'm I'm not a beach guy. I am much more of a mountain guy. I feel like a beach, there is, there is, it is so two dimensional. There's, unless I'm going to be like surfing and engaging, like Mountains are such a lower bar for engagement. You get to go hike and look at trees and look at interesting things. But like if if you're at the beach, you're either going to do something crazy in the water that's going to take a lot of skill or you're going to sit on the beach. (laughs) So so I I just got back from Bend, Oregon, which is I'm from Oregon State originally. And and there's like we climbed up this uh, uh, mountain that had uh, erupted. And so it's called Lava Lands. So we just literally walked on lava that had erupted like thousands of years ago. And uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And it was cool and crisp. Amazing, which is, like, way better than this humid, awful thing that we have it's going on now. Very true. Yeah. Very true. All yeah, right, so some mountains.
0: Mountains. All right.
2: All right, so my question, it comes from an app on my phone. I have an app that just generates random questions. Mostly we do this at the dinner table at my, my family. But the question we got was, would you rather eat a box of dry spaghetti or a cup of uncooked rice? Mm. Very revealing, which is
1: which is a a strange question for most people. Uh, Clayton tipped me off that he's going to ask this. Uh, I told him I have an embarrassing level of clarity about how how I'd answer this question, Uh, (laughs) because I used to actually snack on dry spaghetti noodles when I was a kid. I would like go to the pantry, and out of all the options, things that my parents had bought me, I'd grab a handful of spaghetti noodles, and I would just watch a show <laughs> and, and like and like like a fistful you know like a like a pillar of spaghetti noodles and i would just start at one end like a carrot and i would work my way through is
2: this, is this because your parents stocked nothing made of sugar it like i mean you could have like cereal even like
1: cheerios like a yeah. lame cereal is like better than yeah raw it was a spaghetti. It, it made you work for it you know it, Unlock those carbs. A snack-tivity. A activity It was a yeah, so easily. I don't. I don't understand what I would do with rice. That's that sounds terrible. It's like eating a handful of flour. No. Yeah.
0: I mean, right. That would be terrible. All right. Well, there we go. Thanks for uh, letting. Oh, happy us to little,
1: give you insights into my little picture into yourself. Clayton <laughs> said that was embarrassing. I don't know. I, I'm not as maybe I would <sighs> be more embarrassed than I am. Not <laughs> that you have eaten it. It's that you regularly ate it. Like reg- you went back reg- regularly. Like yeah. if
2: you're ten and you do it once, right? Like I totally understand that. Yeah. Like we've all eaten things that
1: we probably shouldn't, but right. we learned our lesson. Yeah. I never had a friend over who like caught me doing it. Like I, I, I would be engaged with like, the like, home activity. And I never had a friend over at the same time who looked look at me strange.
2: We would we would eat uh uncooked ramen hmm. all the time like yeah. you do like not you don't actually do the work the the, the tremendous work of cooking ramen <laughs> but, but yeah. you just eat the brick you and
1: know the brick of ramen. Like, the <laughs> See, i feel like he just lost of credibility now that i realize what a guy low. eating raw spaghetti we used to eat rotten ramen like, <laughs> <laughs> what is it's like yeah no, slightly different no it's well yeah. you okay. have
0: more in common lesson learned all right Clayton, uh, let us know what passage we're looking at today.
2: All right, we are looking at Romans chapter one. So we're starting the book of Romans, which uh, is exciting because Romans is uh, one of the the highlights of the Bible. Not that there are some parts that are like better than others, but if you ask you know, uh, a ton of people throughout church history, like, what was the most significant book of the Bible for you? Uh, Some of the greatest heroes of the faith would point to Romans. You know, John Wesley, Martin Luther, some of these guys that they'd say, this was the book uh, that really brought clarity to me about what it was like to relate to God. So uh, this is really powerful. It's also kind of a I don't want to say challenging, but yeah, I think it's challenging. It's it's one of those ones that you've got to do a little bit of digging uh to get the most out of it because it's it's there's a lot to mine in this book. So I want to give us a little bit of context just so that as we jump into this, as we're reading this over the next few weeks, uh we are looking for uh things that'll be helpful. So uh Romans is a letter. It's not just kind of written as a book that was kind of published out there for anybody to read whenever. The Apostle Paul is writing to specific people. He's writing to a church that's in the city of Rome, the capital of the world at the time. And uh, in, this is a, a church that he has never been to. So Paul has not been to the city of Rome. He has not met any of these people. This was a church that was started by other apostles, other people, but he's heard about them and he knows God's doing amazing things there. And uh, Paul is planning on traveling to Rome at some point. And he wants to kind of introduce himself, and so he writes this letter to them. Uh, and he wants to address some of the situation he's heard about in Rome. And so this there's, uh, this is not just kind of you know thrown out there like, hey, here's some things I want you to know. He's speaking to particular people about per- particular situations. And if you want to find out about those situations, this is good for any time you do— uh, you're studying a, a letter in the Bible, is to find out what the situation was— Two simplest ways to do that, we talk about this all the time when you're starting a book of the Bible, uh, if you go and watch the summary video about the book on the Bible Project—they've got these great videos, eight minutes or less, and you get a great overview of what's going on in the book—or you go to the beginning of the book in a study Bible—we recommend the NIV Study Bible—and uh, you read the introduction, they'll give you a great overview of the themes and the purpose and the, the reason this letter was written those introductions are actually available for free online, the NIV ones. Uh, we've got links to those at BibleSavvy.com, so you can go and you can find all of those resources there, um, and you'll get some of the themes. So I recommend you do that. Now, for this uh, time, rather than us summarize those themes right here at the top, we're actually going to discover some of those themes, because one of the things that ancient letter writers would do, and Paul would do this as well, is they would, when they're writing a letter, in the very kind of opening greetings in the, at the beginning— they would kind of introduce some of the things they wanted to talk about. They'd they'd kind of drop in mentions of those things that they were going to develop over the course of the whole letter. So we're going to look for some of those things. And after we've done some observation and talked about what it means, uh, we'll, we'll try to sum up what some of those are so that you know as you're reading that you can look ahead to those. But for now, I'm just going to ask Corey to read the passage. We're going to be reading Romans 1, and we're going to go from verse
1: 1 to verse 17. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 1. Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes through faith for his name's sake. And you also are among the Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in all my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith." I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel."
2: All right, well, we are going to take the next step in the comma method, and we're going to go to O, which is observations. So there's a lot here. One of the things that you're going to learn in reading a letter by Paul is that he packs a ton into every paragraph. There's lots of things that you can pick apart. So uh, plenty of things to observe. What do you guys see here?
1: Hmm. That's good. There's a lot here. There's so much, there's so many things. I think if, if I were to guess Romans, like what is written most about the most number of commentaries or writing the whole New Testament, I would guess Roman, it's, it's Ro- Romans. Romans, maybe second true. to Genesis in the whole Bible yeah. would be my, my guess. It's just, it's just so so packed. Uh, one one of the clearest things that I see right off the bat here is uh, the affirmation of both the humanity and divinity of Jesus. He talks about uh, his his uh, uh, earthly uh, descendancy and his spiritual uh, nature, um, and uh, and both are right there in the first three verses.
0: Yeah, I noticed how it's kind of like a, it's an epic opening to a letter, uh, just, just in the way that, uh, Paul introduces himself like a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart, set apart for the gospel of God. Like it's very, very quickly he's saying like, this is who I am and this is what I'm about. And then he's like, and now let me introduce Jesus to you, you know? And, um, like, descended of David, through who the Spirit of Holiness was appointed to, the, to be the Son of God in power, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. like two really very like powerful introductions. Here I am, here's what I'm about. who here, here is who Jesus is. Here's what he's about.
2: Yeah. well, it fits when he says who he is. He's an apostle, which means he's he's sent out to announce things, like to tell people about this this Jesus that he's encountered. And then, so he goes right into it. He like he's like, well, I told you what my job is. Let me do my job. You know, let me tell you who this Jesus is. And he he really does say a ton of important things about him. You know, um, within that, you know, I see, um, you know, Corey, you mentioned like the both. You know, he's the Son of God, so there's the kind of divine side, but he's also got that earthly descendant. He's and not just it's not just that he's human. He's a descendant of David. You know, so if you're if you're Jewish, you know. This guy, this guy is, you know, the best king we ever had. He's the one everybody looks to. And you have been waiting for, like, the descendant of David to come and be the king that we've been waiting for, you know? And so Paul's saying, we found him.
1: Yeah. Here he is. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a lot that would trip somebody up <laughs> here in the first life. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of claims right there that are striking, you know, for the, even for the Jewish audience, which you just mentioned. You know, they got Gentiles right there. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's a contentious thing. Like, he, he comes out swinging in this, yeah. in this letter, even in this introduction.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah, he gets the, the the Jewish Messiah, but then he says, "Oh, but I'm sent to the Gentiles." Right, right. So it's a, wait, wait. you're like, oh, wait, "What? Yeah, who who are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, because some of them have been reading the Old Testament and they're like, "Oh yeah, when the King comes, right. all the nations will bow to him." Yes, you know what I mean. And they're thinking, "So we're going to rule over them because yes. the the Jews are going to be on top." Yeah. But then he's like, yeah, "But mm-hmm. I'm 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 here to like invite them into the family." Yeah, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: and he's saying that they're being called into God's family. <laughs> yes. That's like mm-hmm. really yeah. Like, Wow, that's, that's right. pretty big. Right, Yeah. Another thing that I um, I notice is I love the language that Paul uses when he's writing to the church in Rome. Um, all through that, it's, it's like, yeah, he, he uses this word called a lot, but he got, Paul says, like, I thank God for you, and I constantly remember you, and I, I'm praying for you, and I've planned to come see you. And, and I think he sums up a lot when he says he longs to see them. And that's one of my favorite passages in this in this this verse in this passage, he says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And it's this beautiful picture of like Paul using the gifts that God gave them, gave gave him to impart this something that's going to make them stronger. I think about you guys, like You guys obviously have this gift from God to, like, teach and to communicate God's word in a very, like, clear way, in such a way that, like, when people hear it, God uses that to strengthen their relationship with him, to build, you know, help them take roots deep down, you know, learn something new about him. And you encourage people when you teach God's word right? But then you're also encouraged when you see people grow in their faith. So that's how that mutual encouragement happens and it's a beautiful picture of when the church comes together and we use our gifts to build each other up.
2: Well I think I think about we just this uh, recently we had uh, a guest speaker coming from uh, a church just uh, on the other side of Chicagoland so from from downtown and and uh, he came in and what was wonderful about that is, it's It's just like Paul, you know he's coming into a church that you know he this is the first time he had preached here, and but it was i one of the things I loved aside from just the content of a sermon was just the fact that he could say hey as as someone from a community just down the street um from an, uh you know another community, I can come and we're brothers and sisters. I can offer you encouragement There was a, a sense of connection, even though most of us had not met him before, and so um like that like family feeling. When someone comes and says, let me just offer you something because I want to encourage you. And and he walked away feeling very encouraged. Like, I, I got to spend time with brothers and sisters I just met. And th- there's something incredible about that bond between believers, even if it's the first time they've met.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And, and, you know, coming out of your COVID where we've been separated from each other, you know, there's something interesting that Paul's talking about here that is particular to them to being in the same place. Because he can communicate a lot in a letter. I, I, you know, supposedly you could be mutually encouraged, encouraged by one another's faith through a letter, yeah. but he's saying there's actually something special. If I were to come visit you, something, something special, maybe even intangible and indescribable that happens makes me think of, you know, where two or three are gathered. I'm there with them. There's that, there's that intangible thing that happens when God's people are gathered, uh, which, which I think some of us have intuitively felt mm-hmm. uh, a distinct lack, even, even through the best of digital content being delivered when you're at home, it, there's still something that, that's missing.
2: Yeah. I, I see some words that are repeated here, um, and what, one is like a word you almost miss sometimes because we say it so often. is gospel, mm. okay? So it, like, we're, we're constantly talking about the gospel, and it's, it's so central and so important. But it, it strikes me, because I've recently been reading uh, a book about the history of Rome, okay? So uh, this, the, it, what's fascinating is that the word gospel didn't get invented by Christians. It's not like Jesus and Paul came along and they're like, well, I want to tell you about something. It's got a funny name, and here it is. Like yeah,
1: an imperial term?
2: And yeah, so it's an imperial term. So it's uh, a term where uh, when an emperor would do something that he wanted to brag about, basically, he accomplished something. But it was always presented like this. So like when a new emperor was born or he uh, you know, liberated a territory, which just meant he conquered it, um, it, it, it would go like this. It would be like, We've got a gospel to announce. We've got good news to announce to you, that there is a new ruler, a ruler that has come to save you and bring peace, and a ruler that has come to give you like order and laws. So it's this idea of you've you've got a king now, who's really good for you that you're gonna like that that is bringing you something better than what was in, you know uh, dominating your life before. You now have uh, the good news of this ruler coming in now. It's questionable whether or not all of these Caesars and rulers were actually good news for the people that they, you know, were, were ruling over. But Paul is saying, no, this is actually happening now. Someone has come to rescue you and to rule you, and that is incredible, incredible good news. And what's amazing is that he's saying this to people in the capital of the empire. Yes. Like, yes. it's like this is this is bold right. for Paul to be like, hey. Want to announce a gospel? Yeah, uh, a king is a, a king gospel. has arrived. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know? and
1: that word Lord too in verse four, yeah. right? Like he's flipping the Caesar is Lord thing on its head, right? Again in the opening verses. So we talked about maybe a Jewish person being offended or a Gentile <laughs> being offended. Now you now you're offending the Romans. The Romans, you know, the Romans right, yeah. right? Right here, he's like, let's get it all out of the way right at the start.
2: Yeah, and so when he says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Yeah. Like we, we, we usually think of that as like, well, mm. I just don't want to embarrass myself talking to about religion to my neighbor who might mm. be, you know, they, they don't want to feel judged. Like he's saying, I'm not ashamed to say that I follow a, a king who rules the world, the world. Uh, in the center of the world who set, has a king who thinks he's in
1: charge. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, and wow. it, aside from the shame part, uh, he says, I'm eager. Yeah. <laughs> I'm eager to preach it, you know? And I'm mm. I think like, When was, personally, I think, when was the last time that I woke up and I I, I said, I got up out of bed and I was like, I can't wait to preach the gospel. It's not usually the first thing that pops into my mind, honestly, but he was was eager to do it.
1: And, And it's also an obligation. So it's not just the gospel, proclaiming the gospels for those who are eager to do it. As yes. if it's a personality type. Yeah. yeah. He simultaneously holds together obligation mm-hmm. and eagerness yeah. and, and says, this is something I'm excited to do. But at the end of the day, it's, I'm also compelled to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the gospel itself compels me to share the gospel. Yeah. There's another term in here
2: that uh, comes up a couple of times right here at the end, and it, but it comes up uh, three times here in the, in the very last verse. It talks about righteousness. So it says in the gospel, we have the righteousness of God, righteousness that's by faith, um, and, and so it, it talks about this, and and I'm I, I'm already anticipating, this is a word that comes up a few times, uh, quite a few times, in the book of Romans. So it's not a word we normally use, so I figured it's probably worth uh, trying to get our, our heads around what this means. Um, and it kind of has two sides, okay? So um, righteousness is... And what, there's kind of an obvious thing of like doing the right thing. Okay. So there's like, there are righteous and unrighteous actions. You read through the Bible and there are things that you say, that's the right thing to do. You know, it's right there in the word. Um, and so someone who has done the right thing, they have a status that says you're righteous. So if you, were in, if you were in a court and you have done the right thing rather than done the wrong thing, you would be declared righteous. So it, like if the, the judge, you know, says not guilty, that's, that's what that means. Um, it also, uh, has the the side of uh, being right with people, so there's a sense of um, uh, status within a community that you're in right standing with a group of people, and so uh, to say you you are right with God and you are right with a community, you're in right standing with a community is all kind of bound up into this notion of being righteous, and so Paul is trying to say here's how you actually accomplish that because those are like two longings. That all people have, like, to say, "Am I, am I gonna, am I okay? Like, with God, like, with the with the universe. However, you know, like, am I okay? And am I okay with these people? You know, there's that, there's that the, that, that connection that we need to have.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, when I'm studying scripture, uh, something if there's a key word in a sentence, I will oftentimes just as a practice for studying and meditating on it, uh, take that word out and just put a blank in there. So if mm-hmm. you were to say, go through this exercise for in the gospel, the blank of God is revealed. What might you fill that blank in with? And and for me, I'm like the love of God, the mercy of God. And so this word righteousness really caught me off guard because I don't think of God as needing to demonstrate his own righteousness. And if he is going to demonstrate it, the, the gospel, like God has nothing to prove t- to me. And, and yet, you know, here this word is, in my study notes that I looked, that, that, that's interesting, the community aspect that you said, um, uh, the study note said, has to do with like keeping promises, um, mm-hmm. that, that you are actually a promise keeper, yeah. uh, that, that your righteousness, your rightness uh, is uh, a track record of doing what you say you will do, which is harkens back to the beginning where he says, this gospel was promised beforehand yeah. uh, through the prophets in the holy scriptures, and that God who promised, he keeps his promises. A lot of
2: times um, when you see God talked about as being righteous, um, it's talking in terms of the covenant. So God makes the, this agreement with his people, and you've got these different covenants throughout the, the Old Testament where God has said, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, he makes a promise mm-hmm. that he's going to do something. And so when it talks about God being righteous, it's meaning he kept up his end of the deal. Yeah. And so I actually, I actually think when we see it says the righteousness of God, there's a... It's a tricky phrase. If you, if you uh, look this verse up in uh, a, a commentary on Romans, mm. if, you, if you look up 10 commentaries, you will find 15 answers of what this phrase means. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all over the place, because it's, it's, it's a little bit ambiguous. Mm. So when you say the, uh, the righteousness of God, um, it could mean the quality that God has mm. of being a righteous being, like mm. he, he is righteous. Or it could be righteousness that God gives to us. Mm, We're gonna, yep. th- that's kind of implied in here, too. Uh, it can, there's a number of different ways that it right. can be taken. And so it's like, okay, what, what are we talking about? But it seems like it's trying to evoke a lot of them. Mm. I actually think like the, the... Intentionally ambiguous. Intentionally ambiguous. Interesting. And it gets teased out through the rest of the book in all these different ways. Mm. But when you think about God being righteous as someone who keeps his end of the deal, yeah. that's what's going on in the gospel. Like One, one of the right. things he said he would do... Is that he would put a king on the throne, and mm-hmm. he would he would rescue his people, and he would put the law on their heart, and he would do it would make them right with him, yeah. and we we went all over the place, right. and somehow we didn't keep our end of the deal, but God's saying right. I'm going to keep my end of the deal, right. and let me show you how. The gospel is the story of how I did yes. it, you yes. know,
1: and that humanity of Jesus is yes. God extending the say, the offer and saying the end of the deal that you didn't keep, I will step in and keep, I'll also keep it. I'll keep that end for you. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about the, the M in comma, which is message. What, what message do you guys get out of this?
0: Uh, when I, I, I think mine goes back to just what I was picking up on with regard to um, being mutually encouraged by each other's faith and gifts. And so mine was, you know, how am I, how am I using my faith and my gift to encourage the people around me?
1: I uh, honed in on verse 16, uh, sort of the uh, climax of the passage uh, from, from my study. Um, m- my message uh, that I came up, up with is uh, God's power to save comes through a message that we have a privilege and obligation to speak. Unpack that a little bit. All right. So, God's power to save, it, it just, this is sort of one, one of those mind blowing things. So if you think, what is God's power to, to save? He said, the gospel is the power. And the gospel is a message, it's good news, and, and that's inherently going to be a message. And it's going to be a message that's spoken, there are particulars about the gospel that must be communicated, and, and therefore it requires words to speak those things. This is the mind-blowing part about the gospel. Who's going to speak those words? Uh, it is us sharing verbally, you know, and, and even scripture is communicated in, in human language. So there's this power to save that God has actually entrusted to us. And so we get to, uh, yes, be obligated because that is the one venue, it's the gospel to communicate that to people who have not heard it so that they may respond. But also, that I'm not ashamed piece, man, if that, if God's like, I'm the backer here, you know, this is, you can be sure that the check will clear because it is coming from my bank account. You just have to hand it over, right? Like that is a, that's where that privilege and that eagerness comes from. And if you have shared the gospel with somebody who you have watched their heart come alive and their life change from encountering, encountering the risen Jesus, that's all it takes for you to go, eagerness is within me. And, and that'll change your life forever.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. The, the message I, I, I'm getting out of this is the gospel has the power to change anyone both the people who are like me and the people who aren't. And here, here's where I get that. It's that that Jew and Gentile thing, okay? So uh, the shocking thing in this, so when you think about the way Jews and Gentiles—because this is a, a church where—it's a mostly Gentile area, but there are, there's a strong Jewish community in Rome—so they're a church where both Jews and Gentiles have come to faith in Jesus, and now they're trying to live together, and Paul is saying, Yeah. That's, that's the, that, that was what this was supposed to do the whole time. It's the power to save, first the Jew, then the Gentile. You know, we start talking to people who know, you know these predictions about a Messiah coming, but then we tell the Gentiles, and it saves them all. You know what I mean? Anybody who believes. It doesn't matter which background they're coming from. So some of the people that God saves are like you, and some of them are not like you. But that's what we were trying to do. Like that's, that's the goal. And so um, that, that's, a, that's a pervasive theme in the book. Um, actually, I think that the three messages that we got here— hit really well on three themes that uh, we should be looking for as we read, okay? So uh, Nikki hits the part of Paul, his intention to go to Rome to meet with the Roman church. He wants to see them. He wants to partner with them. Um, He knows that he's on a journey. He's going around the Roman empire trying to spread the the gospel, Um, but he's going to Rome thinking, I this is going to be my base of operations to launch out into the other side of Europe. Basically, he's done one side. He's going to go to the next side. He's going to kind of describe his mission later in the book. So he's saying, I want to build some relationships so that we can work together to reach this other area. Um, Another theme that comes up is the one that Corey mentioned, which is the gospel, The, 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 the transformative power of God doing something that we couldn't do for ourselves so that we could be right with him. Is incredible, and that theme—that's—that's that's the theme that for most people, when they read this, it is the breathtaking, awe-inspiring, life-changing thing that—that that makes all these people through history say, "Romans transformed everything for me." And then that theme of Jews and Gentiles coming together—how do—how do we live as people who are different from each other but called to the—to to follow the same Jesus? Um, who were saved by the same gospel. Um, how, how do Jews and Gentiles relate? And so there's a lot of wrestling with that because uh, it's a big topic uh, for them to figure out. So Paul gets into that a ton. So be looking for those three things uh, as you read the rest of the book. Let's, uh, let's move to the next M in comma, which is meditation. And for meditation, I, I want us to just read that main verse, verse 16. And as, as I do this, uh, there may be just a phrase because it's a, it's a big sentence here. There may be a phrase that, that uh, the Spirit of God just kind of calls out and says, I want you to focus on this. And as I read it, when that phrase jumps out at you, just grab onto that, and for the next 45 seconds, prayerfully ponder, talk to God about that phrase. Verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. All right. We are going to do A in comma, which is application. So let's talk about how we're going to respond to this.
0: Uh, I think, well, I just thinking of that meditation that you just given us, like my, my application was originally off of my message, but I think two kind of go hand in hand. Like I had, I had written here, like I need to look around at, at the people that God's placed in my life, my, my circle of influence and and figure out how God might want to be using my, my gifts to encourage others. But I, I think that faith component, you know, the, the gospel component, right? It's like, there's going to be a lot of people in my life who know God already, um, who, you know, I can continue to encourage them, but there are some people in my life who don't have a relationship with God. And so how is God using, how does he want to use me uh, to speak into their life that, that power, that salvation aspect where God can say, yeah, let me, let me use what you, who you are to them to introduce them to me. Mm.
1: That's good. I think of uh, that word, everyone who believes, that's kind of my, that meditation, uh, what jumped out of me. There are, there are people that each of us tends to write off whether because of personal experience of that person or maybe categories of people. And here, Paul, uh keep going back to this, right? He's like Jew, Gentile, Roman, those who are far from God, those, right? Those who beat up or broken, bruised, hurt sinners, everyone who believes. Like there is no category of person who God it cannot save and redeem. And this is what prompts Paul to go to Rome and want to go to Rome. This is what prompts Paul to want to go to Spain. And it sort of harkens to that. Acts, Paul, uh, God saying, I have people in this city. And yeah. you, may, you may not see them, but I do. And so Paul just sets his sights on the next part of the globe because he's like, God's got people there too, everyone who believes. And that should make us uh, very fearless in sharing because it's God uh, who opens up the hearts of uh, absolutely anybody. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think the the phrase here in that verse, the power of God, uh, stands out to me. And I think it's a, a related thing of saying uh, we, can, we can be bold in talking with people about what Jesus has done, because it has power. Like, there, there's no one that is so far gone. There's no one who is so stuck in some situation or some sin or some mindset that the, that the gospel doesn't have power there. Like, it, to, to say this person's hopeless would be to minimize the power of the gospel to save people. Like, there, there's no one who, uh, is it, who, whose heart and rebellion is stronger
1: than the power of the gospel. Yeah like if you ask somebody white wh- what makes you hesitant to share the gospel if the answer starts with i or they <laughs> like you're probably on the wrong track like right like, yeah. right? like uh, that's because you're focusing on the re- the sender or the recipient but rather it's god who says it's my power it's my power yeah i'm yeah. authorizing yeah <laughs>
0: That's really good, guys. Well, Corey, thank you for being a part of this episode.
1: Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I've always been told I have a face for radio, so this you has too. just been <laughs> a dream come true. You have a right?
0: wonderful voice for it too. I thank mean, you got you got a runner.
1: Somebody, I, 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 I mean, know. did you
0: hear how you read that he passage? He read that passage
2: that's not yeah
0: he's gonna give you a run for your money yeah that's all right, <laughs> all right friends well that's all that we have for you today listen next monday for a new episode we'll be looking at another passage from the bible savvy reading schedule and in the meantime if you're not following along with the reading plan you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along also you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at bible savvy.com And if you're a Twitter fan, you can check us out there for additional Bible-savvy insights. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.